The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hey, good morning, everybody. We are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in Times Square here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York, and it is Tuesday, October 6th, and I'm your host, Vince Rocco. So... A kitchen remodel is a big deal, not something to be approached lightly. So before you even visit a showroom or meet up with a pro, listen to our expert advice today on creating the cook space you've always coveted. We will get to that in a minute with my special guest. But first, let's talk about what's hot in the news today. Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. wants to get in on the Rails to Trails action. The Daily News reports that he asked Mayor de Blasio to turn a stretch of abandoned rail tracks uh, in Monhaven into a low-line, high-line-style park. The sunken but not subterranean tracks have become a drug-ridden, homeless encampment that Diaz would like developed into a public amenity. A particularly bad site near St. Anne's Avenue at East 150th Street was recently cleaned up, but Diaz wants more than a temporary cleanup. The development of a permanent-use park would be a model for future uh, reuse of the many miles of essentially abandoned railway that is spread across the five boroughs. First, it was the Whitney, then it was MoMA, the Frick, and now even the Guggenheim. But the American Museum of Natural History wants to take its turn at center stage in the Expansion Debate Theater. The museum's plan to expand into the surrounding Theodore Roosevelt Roosevelt Park was already riled uh, Upper West Siders. And now DNA Info reports that a breakout local group is banding together to shrink the project or kill it altogether. Defenders of Teddy Roosevelt Park, Inc. say that the museum's expansion into public parkland is reckless and insensitive. Back in 2007, financial guru Susie Orman purchased a small apartment at the Plaza Hotel for $3.6 million, and in 2014, she told the Wall Street Journal that part of the appeal was, no surprise here, the relatively low price. Why? Because she said the same apartment on the other side of the park, on the other side of the building, had park views, and it was $3 million more. But it looks like Orman is moving on. The one-bedroom apartment, which she purchased with her wife, Kathy Travis, is back on the market for $4.5 million. So flipping it for a million dollars more than you paid? Yep, that's right. Sounds like something Orman would promote, making a wise investment and later selling for more money. Go Susie Orman. Sales at 111 Murray Street, the 792-foot condo tower currently on the rise in Tribeca, have been going on behind closed doors since June. But now the building has passed the 50% sold mark, and all of a sudden there are listings out in the public listing systems. The new listings give a few more peeks inside the building and showcase the floor plans. Before this, only three floor plans shared by a tipster had been revealed. The 157 condos range from one bedrooms to five bedrooms, and there will be two full floor penthouses priced north of $17.5 million. What a surprise. Unbelievable, and the luxury continues, the uber-wealthy continues. 
With Manhattan's median sales price closing in at $1 million, nearly 54% of residential properties traded at or above the asking price uh, during the third quarter. This according to Douglas Elliman's latest quarterly report. According to that report, sales volume during the quarter that ended September 30th also jumped 9.8% to 3654 following four straight quarters of double-digit year-over-year decreases. Despite tight credit and higher prices, the market is still robust, said Jonathan Miller, president of real estate appraisal firm Miller Samuel and author of that report. He cited the strong New York City economy as a sometimes overlooked factor, particularly given the buzz surrounding Chinese inventory, saying there is a lot of domestic strength that is playing a great role here. And that is good news for all of us New Yorkers. Everybody is so bent on uh, thinking that the only people who are fueling the New York, New York marketplace are the foreigners, but in this particular case, not so. <clears throat> All right, so as we talked about at the top of the show, the kitchen is often considered the heart of the home, and according to real estate experts, kitchens represent 15% of your house value. It is where families gather to prepare and enjoy meals together. If you are unhappy with the state of your kitchen, there are many experts that can help you turn that space into the kitchen of your dreams. In New York City, though, the Department of Buildings requires work permits for most construction projects, so any renovation here in the city is a lot different than out in the suburbs. If the project scope requires plans and permits, you must hire a New York State licensed professional engineer or a registered architect. <clears throat> Joining me today are two folks who make their business in kitchen design and supplies. Chuck Wheelock is here, and so is Garrison Gunter. Kitchen designer Chuck Wheelock crafts uniquely personalized kitchens. Chuck has been a kitchen in the kitchen uh, visionary uh, for over 26 years. His experience in design, project management, sales, and marketing direction were gained while creating meaningful design discussions for high-caliber companies. That trajectory through those companies led him to founding his own design studio. After joining forces with his partner in 2006, they opened a showroom in Old Greenwich, Connecticut. Cook and Craft was opened in 2000 by 15-year veteran chef Brian Ebsery. I said that right. There you go. With the central mission of offering positive shopping experiences for customers. Now, 15 years later, Garrison Gunter, the current owner, continues to fulfill local needs by stocking carefully chosen high-quality products, offering competitive pricing, and providing personal customer service and great cooking advice. Cook and Craft is more than just a kitchen store. In addition to the essential tools and electrics of your kitchen, they have dedicated half of the store to showcase homemade crafts for your table, and they have a broad selection of kitchenware in the store. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Vince. Nice to wow, have you here. Wow, here's to the kitchen. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to about today's show. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, renovations are always on everybody's mind, especially in this town when you're purchasing apartments. And most of the time, they're in bad condition. And the first thing people want to do are kitchens and bathrooms. So, you know, I the first question I have is, what are the biggest challenges uh, and attractions of design and renovation projects? So you buy an apartment or you buy a home in the suburbs and you decide it needs a renovation. But how do you kind of get there? Where, do you, where does your head go first with, you know, what do I do? Uh, shall I start? I think, I, I, think I think actually uh, a lot of times it it is the um, the way a person likes to cook. Uh, you know, if they have a young family, if they're empty nesters, how they like to entertain, and oftentimes the appliances drive a lot of the decision making. I remember, you know, uh, the last well, not the last kitchen, a, a, a kitchen renovation of mine. Let's say in the nineties, maybe the mid nineties. I at the time was commuting from the suburbs, so. Although I wanted a, a decent kitchen, 
Uh, it, for me, at the time, it, it needed to look good. It what didn't necessarily need to be functional. Why? Because I was commuting in and out of the city every day. wasn't cooking as much as I do today. So today, my needs are a lot different, and that's what I wanted to kind of talk about. So in the design process, in the design phase, you know, if you're home every day and you're cooking every day, family or not, you know, how does that really, you know, change what the plan turns out to look like in, in, in a kitchen? Because as I said earlier, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wasn't cooking as much. But today, the kitchen really is the center of my house. So it's got to look and feel good and be practical. Yeah, be functional. Right? I think, um, Very functional. It, to me, one of those important elements also is, is where your horizon line is for that kitchen design and the longevity of how long you plan to be in that home. So, for instance, if you know you're only going to be in a home for five years, you know, you may say, well, I don't need the kitchen to be as big as I would need if I were planning on a 15 or 20 year, you know, longevity in that space. So that can make a big impact as well. And, and if you have a small kitchen right now and you know you're only going to be there for a couple years, no problem. You can live with it. If you know you're going to want 20 years, and I think this is where Chuck really comes in as, as a great advocate for you, you know, you, you say, we need to blow out this wall and we need to make the kitchen and dining room part of the same space because we're going to live, live here. It's actually really hard to be that visionary with what you're describing because your needs change, your tastes change over time, and actually pretty quickly. It, after five years, there's all kinds of new choices. Appliances change so significantly. There are all kinds of options. Like now, most everything's driven by your, your iPhone, a lot of interactive appliances that you can turn on remotely. You don't even need to really understand a recipe. You can just say, I'm going to roast a chicken, put it in there, and it does it for you. So, and, then, and then all the offerings and countertop materials, everything changes so quick. It's hard to know with like a 10 or 15-year timeline how your needs are going to change. So it is really, that is a very tough uh, thing for people starting out. But don't you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't you find that if if you're doing a kitchen and you're not so sure how long you're going to be there, but you love food and you're not a chef, but you love to cook and you love to entertain, wouldn't you be advising, aren't there some really classic pieces like an outrageous professional wolf range or whatever you would recommend along those lines. You build your kitchen around those primary pieces. That's exactly right. There's one thing that everyone falls in love with. It's the range or it's the refrigerator. There's one one piece. Maybe it's a certain look, a kind of cabinet form or some kind of dish rack or or a, a farmhouse sink. There's usually one thing that someone really, really farmhouse loves. Farmhouse sink for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Chuck, you you're, you design kitchens. You are a designer. Do you have a signature style? Do you go into, say, most kitchen designs with the same kind of thought in mind and then kind of tweak it a little bit depending on what the family needs? Or is it completely different every time out of the box? Well, every single client is different, but we do have a distinctive look or style. It's very uh, contemporary. It's very modern, has a strong horizontal line, but we combine that with a um, very sophisticated coastal chic feeling. We're, we're on the coast of Connecticut. A lot of our clients are in the Hamptons and all along the coastline. So we do have not really rustic, but a more sophisticated style. Gotcha. Um, now, when you first meet with a group or family, you know, you sit down and you, you kind of understand what currently is there. And do you take them through a, a, a particular process to get from them what it is actually that they want or need in their kitchen? We'll get more into it after the break, but just how do you start that process with them? There are program requirements, and we do go through, it's almost like a checklist of, of 
covering all the bases, making sure that we understand what they hope to do there, just like you were talking about before, how they entertain, how they like to cook, do they love cooking, what's their style of cooking, uh, are they gourmets, um, you know, the family, what the, the makeup of the family and how many, uh, how they like to entertain. All these things come into play and combine like pieces of a puzzle into putting together the design that works for them. And a lot of clients now are really very well educated. They've all been mm-hmm. to the websites. They look at the magazines. They're really very well educated. And they pretty much know what they like and don't like. I wanted to ask you, ask you about that because with everything else in life, you know, the, the, the World Wide Web, as everybody used to call it, you know, the Internet these days is so filled and so robust with Everything, you know, from appliances to color schemes to countertops. I mean, just like people searching for real estate, as real estate agents, we get overwhelmed sometimes with our clients telling us they saw this, they saw that, or they want to see. You know, how does a a consumer, I guess, uh, or a homeowner, really understand what they're looking at? I mean, pictures tell a story sometimes, but it doesn't tell the full story. For example, you don't necessarily understand the quality of what may look good. So, you know, we're going to go to break in a few minutes, but when we come back, I want to, the, the audience to understand, you know, when they're looking at something and picking out materials, it might not necessarily be the right uh, choice for them based on, you know, what's actually going to be practical. Because, again, you know, we, we search for things. Listen, it's, just, it's no different in real estate. You, you go to a, um, a website, you see a beautiful house or an apartment, and the pictures look fabulous, but you show up and it looks completely different right, than what it is. So we build for them is. the bridge to reality. We, well, there you go. Right, and does that work out for the same, the same thing with you guys? Right. There's a lot of misunderstandings. All right, yeah. we have to go to break. But first, you're listening to Good Morning New York and the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Garrison uh, Gunter and Chuck Wheelock, and we are talking about kitchen renovations or overall housing renovations. Before the break, we were talking about the actual design element or the design aspect of 
you know, uh, a project. So we take it to the next level and we have to have project management. We have to have someone who's going to actually do the work, a contractor. So can you take us through the process of what, what it takes to go from, say, the design concept or what we think we want in our kitchen, you know, through the stages of who's project managing this, who is the contractor, and then how we pick out the materials. And as I alluded to before the break, you know, sometimes people go onto the internet and they look at, all the choices that they may have get a little confused, and maybe they specifically know what they want, but you just never know as the, the leader of the, the project here. So take us through that, that, that process a little bit. It, uh, it varies on each project depending on who all of the um, people are in, on the client's team. Oftentimes, there are consultants for every little thing, lighting and all those kinds of things. But our typical uh, uh, process, there are kitchen designers who work out functionally the layout of where things go, and then start initially with the styling of, with the surface, what the face looks like, so you sort of get a sense of how the, the kitchen is going to look and feel. And, and then from that point, we have operations people, specialists who assist with all the ordering of all the materials, cabinetry, countertops, sinks and taps, all the things that make the kitchen complete. Lighting. Uh, lighting okay. and uh, uh and then sometimes that's a point when, when Garrison gets involved. <laughs> right, and we come and we start to talk to people about their cookware. And, and as Chuck mentioned before about the kitchen and how your horizon line may only be five years away before you want to change up, we found that with cookware today that lasts 30-plus years, you may be tired of it in five years. So we're there to really help people make that decision as well and to move them into better cookware, move them into copper where they've never cooked with copper before. Uh, and and show them some of the benefits of that, and also dissuade any concerns about you know nonstick coatings. Where for 25 years nonstick coatings have been safe on all the high end products, but people read blogs on the internet and they see it's unsafe, it's unsafe, and then they come in and they say they don't want any of this these pieces of cookware. So we have to help reeducate people as to what is safe, how to safely cook, not about what materials are not safe, but how to properly cook with these tools. Let's talk a little bit about budget, okay? <laughs> the infamous money situation. <laughs> Everybody says, well, you know, and, and I was watching a, a House Hunters renovation over the weekend, <laughs> and it was literally a gut job. And, you know, I laughed out loud um, because the, I think the owner said, well, we have $60,000 to renovate this entire house, including three bathrooms, a kitchen, and whatever. All right, so you're in the middle of, you know, the USA somewhere, so prices aren't what they are here in New York. But how do we determine what the budget is or should be when we, when we take on a project like, let's just stick with kitchen? Because, right. again, based on materials, we can be talking wolf ranges. We could be talking GE. Right. We can be talking a lot of things. Right. What is the budget there, we, we approach it uh, three different ways. One way is we talk about um, establishing a budget based on good, better, and best. And so you can sort of start talking about the price points of where you'd be. Certain appliances, for example, are going to be at the high end. Others are going to be down on the lower end. So you establish where you want to be in that price range. You can also look at the square footage. You can find square footage numbers. They're, they're kind of skewed here in New York. They're, they're high in Connecticut also. But you can use a square footage number to help establish budgets. And it might give you a number that you, you look at as shockingly high. You can pull back from there. And then the last step is to try to list out individual line items, list a number for your cabinetry, list a number for your countertops, and, and try to build a budget that way and see if you can come up with realistic numbers that make sense that suit your budget, and then share that information with your kitchen designer. 
Now, that, that, all right, that's a good point. So next question is, so now that you have a budget, how do you kind of map that budget or that money to the, the, the selection components, the, the, the appliances, the materials? Hey, I want a concrete countertop versus a, you know, whatever countertop. How do you come up, how do they, you know, kind of map that budget now to the, the select? I, I would be willing to bet that's where your job gets real interesting. You, you have to have a, a, a plan worked out first. You have to be able to quantify how much you need. And so how much of the concrete countertops you would need, you can then send that plan to whoever the vendor would be that you've selected that can give you an actual number. And you start filling in the blanks for each of these things as you go. And then you have to make some t- tough decisions. You might find that that um, Blue Star range that you love is $10,000, where a, another one that's not as fully featured might be $6,000. And so you have to start looking critically at some of your selections and sometimes make some some really hard choices. Um, for the listening audience, you keep saying you have to. So are you suggesting people do this pre-work to being with you or this is what you do once you've gotten a blueprint from your customers? Well, that's what we, what we usually do <laughs> right. once we have it from our customers. And I would imagine they can lean on your expertise completely. to be able to say, oh my God, I want, what what would be Beyond Wolf? I don't know. Well, well, well Viking and Viking so, and Wolf okay, are Viking, the top, of course. Yeah. top but two. But you, you then, I would imagine the beauty of having being held by somebody in this process. Obviously, you're not going to do your kitchen on your own. Is that you can say, well, what I love is this, and then you can say, all right, since we have budgetary concerns in this top tier, this is what you're loving, and you can actually backpedal a couple and save a few thousand dollars here. But right. this countertop that we're talking about, you can actually save here really big by using a. A, you know, a material that's going to look the same and function the same, but it'll cost you half the price, right? So we you, do that. with we, your knowledge. We right? do that all the time. We almost, it's almost like we curate the selections for our, our clients. It might, we don't try to show them all things. We listen carefully to what they actually want, and then we'll show them just a couple choices. And, and hopefully choices that are going to be within their, their budgets, not opening that Pandora's box let them fall in love with a, a uh, carbon fiber Lockhorn new stove for $60,000 and then find out their entire budget is only $60,000. Isn't that something? Well, yeah. I think that's where the, the internet versus interconnected personal touch comes in really handy uh-huh. because, you know, they have the internet before them before they come into us to talk about anything. So go out there, find all those things you want to see, and then come in and see our curated offerings so you don't have to see them all in a, in a small showroom. We've already vetted out all the really high quality, positive things that you should be considering, and you trust us to do that. Mm-hmm. How important is storage in a kitchen uh, these days when you're designing in the design stage, um, the layout and the flow of, of the whole area? How important or what priority does you know, an, a homeowner put on storage? Because some people you know, in New York City, for example, would love as, as much storage as possible that so just important. doesn't exist. So in the suburbs, how how do you do it? You know, what, is 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 it a big priority? It's a very big priority. It's probably probably second to the 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 cooking function and making sure you have that established. Second is the storage that's required, and so and, and where it goes. You know, uh, a young family or a family with teenagers might have a separate cafe kitchen area where there's a separate refrigerator and they keep the things that the kids would use over there. Um, there's always a, a minimum number of drawers that are required pull-outs for pots and pans, all these kinds of things are really super important to clients. I think Garrison can address that. Yeah, and it, it also has a lot to do with what kind of cook you are. So if you're really an avid cook at home, uh, you know, a 
an amateur chef, so to speak, and you use a lot of cutting boards and you use a lot of pots and pans and you right. really, you know, you make a mess in your kitchen when you cook, then you want to have those slotted racks and you want to have those pot drawers and you want to have that kick garbage can and you want to have the pedal sink, you know, so you can just <laughs> put your foot down and wash your hands so when you're you all grinding. Down. You want all those <laughs> things together right you know, at your in collaboration. Right? Yeah, nice right at your close. fingertips, exactly. So it really has to do with how you cook. And, and beyond that, a lot of our clients have a lot of chefs that come into their kitchens. So maybe they don't cook at home a lot themselves, but they need a, a kitchen that's set up for a chef. And that means two dishwashers. That means double wall ovens. That well, means I was going to ask you about that. Refrigerators yeah. large enough for catering trays. All right. these kinds of things right. are, are right. very important. Let's talk about open concept for a little bit. So again, you know, you're watching HGTV and, and and certainly here in the city, everything is going, has been for the last several years, trending to open concept. So when you're designing a kitchen, what do you keep in mind? I mean, well, first of all, if it's a, if it's a closed kitchen, you've got to start knocking down walls. So when you're designing an open concept kitchen, what are the priorities, again, for the homeowner? What is it that they're looking for? Garrison mentioned a little while ago, double uh, dishwasher, you know, maybe a, a larger size range because they do a lot more cooking than, than the, the other person. But what, what do they really want when they tell you, I want an open kitchen? What is the, what's the real backbone to that open concept? The uh, the open concept, what's really different about that compared to individual closed rooms is now everything is so open and so connected and sociable that now the design is a little bit different. Where everyone's probably heard about a um, the uh, the triangle, the work triangle. Some of these old uh, rules for kitchen design don't work anymore. And now with an open plan, it needs to be far more sociable. I think sociability is the number one key thing so that you can have eye contact with people, even though they might be uh, in, in kind of an adjacent room in, in, a, in a living room area or the breakfast uh, uh, room area, they can still have eye contact with people inside the kitchen. No longer do you line everything up on the outside wall so that when you're at the range, you don't have your back to your guests. You try to do everything in such a way that it's very interactive. The people feel uh, a welcome, inviting to come in and join in with the activity in the kitchen and, and perch in other areas, plenty of seating areas. So it kind of changes the function of how all these spaces work together. Are you finding that people are still going for the open kitchens more and more? Or is it going back to closed? I'm curious I, about that. It, it's, it, I think the, the one space that really drives that is the, uh, the dinosaur, the dining room. And, and few people have yet gotten to the crossed over the, the line and say, we're not going to have a dining room at all anymore. So there's usually still this formal dining room nearby that's hardly ever used. <laughs> and, and there is a, a breakfast room that's large enough for any of their dining events, and they usually use it that way. Uh, so that still remains. That still They're remains. We do have yeah. some, um, uh, when we have um, clients from Southeast Asia, they have a Western traditional kitchen, and then they have an Eastern traditional kitchen. And there are two separate things that you sort of can't, one is considered a show kitchen, this Western style, and then their smaller, say, Japanese kitchen is is where you sort of can't see it. And that's where all the real cooking it's occurs. It's all function. It's yeah. all function-based. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you about that dining room thing because personally I go back and forth. I like the open concept, and I think that you know, the open kitchen, as you described it, listen, I grew up in a – in a house, four kids, mom and dad, in a kitchen that was 12 by 12. Mm -hmm. You know, and in those days, it was a big kitchen. And we all were always in the kitchen, right? So we were all sitting around the table, and mom and dad are trying to cook and clean or whatever else. Right. The dishwasher door is open. You're tripping over it. It, It's, you know, now the rooms are much bigger. 
but I still, back to those days, like, I think, or appreciate a formal dining room. So I guess my on my wish list would be a huge open kitchen concept into a family room. Uh, and then have a formal dining room for you know those kinds of occasions, but yet have a large enough table uh, or big center island in the in the open kitchen. So I think I probably would opt for both. I don't think I can take one away and right. and, and vote you better for the get other. that big house, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of these days we have a couple of minutes left, and I just wanted to ask, so what's hot today in in materials? So what are most people, in your opinion, looking at appliances, countertops, you know, backsplashes? Well, uh, for cookware. us, for us in the cookware world, I think to me, what's hot is copper. First of all, which is an amazing tool to cook with that mostly only restaurant chefs get to experience, and is now available at a much better price point than it has been for years. And some of our great silicon tools uh, that are out there, like the folks from Get It Right, that make these amazing tools that are completely concealed, you know, framework wise so that you can put them in the dishwasher and they, they don't get grimy or gross and don't have little crevices that are unsafe and unsanitary. So, you know, is copper user friendly? I think copper is more user friendly than stainless steel. Actually. Wow. I'm always afraid of I'm copper, back to but cast I mean, it looks iron. pretty, but I'm always afraid of it, but I it's, cast iron. It's so sure. responsive. Copper is like driving a sports car. Wow. It goes but if you leave it on high heat, is it going to buckle? No. Oh. No, but you well, don't cook on high heat. You cook on medium heat. I know. Well, it high depends on for if you're boiling. searing things, you know. Never. Never. Okay. Medium. We got to talk. Buy uh, yeah, uh, uh, cast iron from him. <laughs> I just did. Yeah. All right. What are the appliances that are big? I mean, what are people, is it Wolf? Is it Viking these days? Is it concrete countertops? Is it still, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, granite? I mean, what what are people really still looking for? Wolf, Wolf Sub-Zero still really commands the marketplace. They have the largest market share. But there are other manufacturers. Mila, for example, has some really uh-huh. sleek, excellent appliances. Very modern. And and they, it's been designed in such a way that it builds in more you know, sleekly with a contemporary design. And the way they've made it is a little bit smarter. The whole range has, has two ovens and a warming drawer, things like that. The uh, Blue Star is an excellent manufacturer. If, if you have a chef that is uh, uh, someone who's a home chef and really likes to cook, that's an excellent appliance. It's and really I love the simple. Color choices of Blue Star are absolutely amazing. How many yeah. color choices? 190 different colors you no can get way. enamel I'm on. I'm confused. Oh, oh my god, that's so <laughs> cool. That's but, why you have to have Chuck help you because otherwise we, you'll never pick a color. I would, <laughs> I would say that the trends that that um, in, in materials, the man-made materials, are really interesting. And they're making them in in huge scale. So these uh, these porcelain countertops are uh, in you in you can put the slabs together. They'll all be book matched, so you can have these uh, make the grain flow in a way that you never could before. And in, in, in like the new island we're putting in our showroom is it's about twelve feet long, and it's going to appear like it's carved out of one giant block of stone. Wow! Because all the veining can carry up the side and go over the top and and carry on down the waterfall on that other side. Um, and then, and then a few other concepts. We're we're promoting what we call the three color kitchen. Most kitchens in the past are just one color, and then there was the two color kitchen, usually a white surround, and then a wooden island. And now we're introducing a three color kitchen, and then another one is going to be the texture kitchen, where people are encouraged to use you know uh, open grain, wood grains, and and more patterned tiles and, and patterned um, uh, countertop materials so they really get into the richness of the materials. That leather-style oh, stone cool. work yeah. that we just put in our Exactly. Uh, that sounds store. very interesting. All right, Beautiful. guys, unfortunately, we are out of time. So thank you to Chuck Wheelock and Garrison Gunter, 
Cook and Craft in Old Greenwich and um, uh, Chuck Wheelock Kitchen Design in Old Greenwich. Thank you guys for coming. We have Thank to you. go to break. We will be right back after Thanks, these Vince. messages. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are talking to our panel, Parul Brombat, Rachel Altschiller, Ivy Ray, and Niall Lundgren. Good morning, everybody. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. So how is everybody? Doing well. A little cold this morning. A little cold this morning. Uh, no, today wasn't so oh, bad. No, the last yesterday. couple of days were horrible. And the day before wow. was really cold. It's getting there. October's creeping up quick. Uh. I posted something on Facebook on Saturday. I was sitting in my living room and I was getting ready to have dinner or whatever, and I started smelling heat. I guess I hadn't turned uh. no the valve way. off from last winter. And I said... Smells like winter. Oh and sure enough, gosh. I went over to the radiator and heat was, was coming out. And I thought, time. this no. is crazy. Wait, you you wear your bathing time. suit in your apartment <laughs> in the winter. I pretty much do anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Ooh. <laughs> um, that's unbelievable. It, it's also very New York when you when you smell the heat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, the radiator it's, smell. It's always that know, first the, time, yeah, too. That really, it's really our version things. of smelling the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was upstate and smelled my first smell the ocean. Some people smell the crisp air. We just smelled the heater. (laughs) (laughs) But I was upstate and smelled my first fire. (gasps) And that got me ready. But it went from summer to winter, though. It was so crazy. I was like flip-flops the day before and then, you know, crazy. I know. Anyway, we're all happy to be here. Let's get into it. So (laughs) your first foray into the New York real estate market can, to put it mildly, be something of a rude awakening. It can be like the grief process says a local broker. First <laughs> denial. No one can believe the size and prices. Then comes anger and depression, followed by bargaining and eventually acceptance. I saw this article. I was okay. laughing when I And saw while it. getting taken by surprise in this market is all but inevitable, you can at least enter it armed and aware about some of the more common misconceptions out there. So let's break down. We have 10 of them. I don't know if we'll get all to all 10 of them today, but let's break down some of the myths. So one of them is if you're renting, you'll definitely get your security deposit back Right when you move out. Is that 
<laughs> Let's just make sounds. Go down the yeah, list and right. we'll make hey. sounds. No, that's <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely a, a no go. It really depends. I'm ju- I was just doing a deal with uh, a co op deal where the I had the listing and the tenants were trying to come in and they couldn't get the uh, landlord reference letter. And they've been literally trying to get this landlord to write a reference letter for three months. They had another apartment that they were denied on. So they've been trying to get it. The, the landlord's unresponsive. They haven't responded. They've gone to their office. No one's there. I mean, it's like everything. And they're like, I don't even, and they put like, because they're foreigners, put three months security. And they're just like, oh. well, we've just accepted the fact that they're just never going to respond and we're not even going to get our security to Deposit back. Is that oh, right? crazy? Horrible. It's terrible. I mean, and that's you know, just so the, the, tip, matter, you know? the tip that we could all jointly say to people that when you're living in a place and it's going well with your landlord, and maybe you're only going to be there a year, or if you're going to be there two years, midstream, if you have a relationship with them, you ask them to write you a letter. Well, I'll tell you what. What happens? You know, a lot of the time, you got it in Good your point. file. Is a lot of the tenants don't pay the last month oh, or the yes. last two months of yes. rent because they expect the landlord to screw them. And so what happens is the landlord gets upset. I didn't get my last month. They just took the security to pay for the last month and nobody's happy. But and I'm no not going to write them no a trust. letter. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, just getting back to the now situation for a minute because I'm a little, you know, interested in that. So, I mean, it, what's next steps there? I mean, I, it, do we just write it off and say, well, they're not just not going to get their security back? That's what they've told me. I mean, wow. they, we just got board approval yesterday, so they've been accepted. Oh, without the landlord? No, no, no. To our place. No, the, they, they got it. Okay, So good. finally, they had to like run them down. So, but they're literally so freaked out about the entire process. And they're, you know, from France. So they don't really know. And they're just kind of like really <coughs> freaking out. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what their next step is going to be. They got a letter and they got a, the signature from her. So that was good. But yeah. I just want to know how they're going to go about, you know, trying to get it. But they don't, they're not optimistic. Well, they about can it. file, right? I mean, they're. Yeah. Look with that. Yeah, right, exactly. But it just seems like this well, that's is one thing. of those that's what I was getting at. That's, neg- neg- that's negligent yeah. and yeah. That, a while that will but just protected by yeah. by law, yeah. by real estate law. Oh, I'm moving on to the next one. So uh, another myth in New York real estate: the deal is done once you sign a contract, a sales contract. <laughs> we need a buzzer in here. That's yeah. true. Seriously, how many people think, and how many agents? More importantly, how many agents think that? Oh, I have a signed contract. Deal is done. Next, on to the next deal. And, he, and when, when is my commission check coming? I love this one because I have mentored and hired and fired so many people in in fourteen years. And recently, <laughs> fired. Recently, somebody had said, "Well, they had helps with some showings over the summer," and he or she said, "Oh, well, I helped close these deals for you." And I thought that was so interesting for someone just into the real estate business less than a year who really thinks that showing an apartment for a few weeks, maybe a month, even two months, is helping to close the deal. Entitlement. That is about 10% of the deal for those listeners out there. It requires so much from start to finish. Not only if something is on the market for three months, you have another three to four months. So really every deal is six months at least. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, but, but what people don't realize is um, just because it's in contract doesn't mean it'll get to closing. Oh, so man. first and foremost, if you're if it's a co-op, you know, it's anybody's <coughs> guess most of the time <laughs> as to true. whether it's no matter what 50, you've 50. Yeah, it's it's like no matter what <laughs> you've done, even if everything looks great, you know, it could be something really interesting and small and something that you couldn't have even thought could have been a, 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 a sort of a showstopper. 
but it could actually really give, get your board turned down and then that signed contract means nothing. Yeah. Also, I just was talking to a really experienced, wonderful broker, uh, probably a good friend of all of ours, um, and she was talking about during the market downturn, she had a new development on which she had about 75% of the building in contract and then all of the contracts rescinded because of the market crash. Sounds like my life. So, yes, right. it happened That's to you too. Price, yeah. Right, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, just- so, so that happens after signed contracts. So it, the deal's not done till you close and don't count your money until that check is cashed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. no, I always say till the check is deposited, yeah. you don't 100%. have a deal. Absolutely. Also to the listeners, you know, you think about um, the reality of people uh, doing a mortgage contingency of some sort. So many people in the end don't get their mortgages. Or appraisal contingency. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That well, I was so just going to say, let's can... not forget about the appraisals, yeah. too, because yeah. I, I I just did one yesterday, and my fingers are five times crossed because it's a co-op, and, you yeah. know, let's see what happens. Yeah. But there's a lot. A deal can fall wrong. apart. Bottom line here is a deal can fall apart because of anything or all of the Inspection. above. Yeah. And yeah. People Inspection. People losing their yeah. jobs. I it. shopped with somebody last year forever, <laughs> and she got her pink slip. Yeah, and we were we had an accepted offer finally. Let me give you a quick example to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, works at, at the same company that uh, that Rachel works at. He had an accepted offer. They were literally at three o'clock last Tuesday, going into the uh, attorney's office to sign the contract, um, give the ten percent deposit. This is the uh, freak occurrence. She calls him up at two o'clock. He's like, "Hey, I just want to let you know I can't come in." He's like, "Why not?" And she goes, "I just got transferred to London. I'm oh. leaving." And he was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like literally, dagger to his heart. He'd been working this with this person for four months every weekend. They finally they've lost out on bidding war, bidding war, bidding war. They finally get to a place, and then literally an hour before they're going to sign the contract, she she's like, "Hey, I just got transferred." Can't but he'll it. get her referrals <clears throat> for life, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 positive. Yes, yeah. it's man. always about the referrals. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Really, the, nothing Ouch. better than a guilty referral. Yeah. <laughs> All right, given the fact that the contract was signed, the deal is closed, and as Parul said, check in the bank, so deal is done. (laughs) Other than tipping season, there's no need to concern yourself with the building super. So you've moved in, you've met the super, you're getting on with life. What is this about? Make the sound again. (laughs) Building super. Building super. You want him on your side in such a big way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my perspective. <coughs> I won't say anything else. Well, let's man. discuss. Best friend. Let's let's talk quickly well, about why, know, because people yeah, out in the hinterlands, well, when, outside when of New York City, does, don't like understand. A small, big and small jobs, right? So let's say your shades are broken and you need somebody to fix that. <coughs> Super comes in, fix your shades for you, right? Um, you, do you technically have to give him anything? Not really. If something's gone wrong in the building, he comes and fixes it. You know, but if you keep taking care of him, you know, even if you drop him $20, $25 for like the little thing that he came in and did or a little thing, you know what I mean? The thank you note with whatever, then number one, your life will run a lot, a lot more smoothly than you, if you don't do those things, you know? So if, once you start taking care of the super, and I think, Unfixed intervals is the best way to compensate anybody, which is don't give him money every time he does something nice because then it becomes an expectation. Or only the holiday. Right. Don't or exactly. Or don't go the you opposite get lost direction. With the, everybody else right. is paying them. Exactly. Yeah. So then then you don't stand out. So the trick is to unfixed intervals to to always give him a little bit here and there. 
I wasn't even talking financially right off the bat. I was just talking about the importance of having relationships with the people that govern your building. Well, so I live in a townhome for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to living at, you know, this big swanky building downtown. And I had a lot of people I had relationships with. And they were important to me. And my life was beautiful there because I had great relationships. And now I have a single super. And, you know, I'm waiting. It's going to, you know, it's going to snow. We're going to have the horrible days. We're going to have the days where I screw up and put the wrong back color bag on the sidewalk. I mean, there's a lot of times your life is just so much sweeter if you have great relationships with the people that govern your building. You know, I, I, oh. I liken the super to the gatekeeper sort of, you know, for people who live outside of New York City and don't live in buildings. The super is the guy who is going to, you know, he runs the show in the building. So you absolutely, based on all of your comments, want to stay on that person's good side financially or otherwise, because there are going to be times in your apartment that you need them to come in and fix, and there are going to be times when, you know, again, they provide that gatekeeper um, uh, scenario for everybody, including the doorman. All right, we're going to go to break. We will come back. First, you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We're back for our last segment, and we are talking about some of the biggest myths in New York real estate, whether you are renting or purchasing an apartment or if you're already in. Now, Ivy mentioned something before the break. She's living in a townhome for the first time in years. You know, one of the other myths are brownstones and apartments within are as quiet as they are charming. Well, I'm on the inside. I have that really quintessential New York view where all you're doing is looking at everybody's gardens. I live on a pure townhome block, and I face a pure townhome block. My apartment, I have crickets, and I have birds. It is absolutely silent. You have to come over. You're my neighbor. We haven't seen each other yet. I know. But it's heaven. But no. If you're living on the front side... Huh, forget about it. But what about noise within the floors? Because these 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 houses were built to be single family houses mm-hmm. way back whenever, so they're not necessarily insulated or soundproofed for people so above you and side then. by side. I lived in one. Solid. I lived in one, and it was painful. Actually, we heard everything Creaking, upstairs. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It was quiet facing the back, like you said, Ivy. Um, facing the front was street noise, which is fine for me. 
I'm from Queens. I'm fine with street noise. Um, but upstairs was an issue for us, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, that's one of the things. I lived in one also uh, at the start of my New York living career. And mine also was quiet. I didn't have any. And I, I faced the front. And I was mm-hmm. on the first floor. Whoa. But we were set back, you know, uh, a little bit with a, with, a, with a gate. So I was not on the sidewalk. But it was quiet. But I didn't hear any noise, you know, up or actually behind me. So I don't know. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm on the brownstone on the top floor. <coughs> and I, you know, because I'm on the top floor, I don't have anybody else walking around in heels above me or anything. But... Um, I face 6th Avenue and it's like I live on the street like I seriously live on mm-hmm. the street I hear everything I mean I, there's a bus stop right outside of my window oh, God. so it is so loud it's and you've got the garbage yeah. trucks but, I mean, and I've the been, sirens and I've been there for so you're long used to I'm it, so but used you can to it. also install city windows I to could, deaden yeah. the noise exactly. which is a nice solution yeah, for people for sure mm-hmm. I've actually thought of that so yes all right, another myth is co-op board shred applications after reading them and immediately forget all the financial information that you just that they just ah. learned about you. Ah. And we can also add agents to that as well. Yeah. Agents and co-op boards. So now why is this an issue? Obvious I reason. I see as an agent, I don't remember. I really don't remember people's financials. I'll remember roughly like how much money they have, but otherwise I shred it immediately once there's board approval. New York State requires us to hold on to the package for seven years. We have to hold on to our files. But it's part of the whole package. And so there is this 50-50 of I want everything on file in case something were to happen and they ask for all the files back. But at the same time, there's privacy and you have to shred it. So um, you have to sort of the things with social security numbers, the things that are bank statements, you shred I keep an e-version and I shred everything else. um, And I don't even keep the contract outside of an e-version because it's way too much. Digital all the way. Yeah, because you need a a file room just to keep board packages because what people out there don't understand who are not in New York real estate, Mm -hmm. these things could be four or five inches thick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a, insane. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely insane. All right. Pet friendly means pet friendly, period. Another myth. No, no way. It means, a lot of times it means case by case. Yeah. You know, if you have a German Shepherd or a Pitbull, you know, that, that might not fall under pet friendly. Right. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's under, there's weight limits. Yeah, it's considered mm-hmm. a vicious breed, right? The rule's right. There's, yeah. there's weight limits. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're pet friendly up to 25 pounds. The best is when it's not pet friendly. Online, when right. you say, uh, I get calls on my listings, yeah. oh, you guys are pet friendly. It says it on OLR or limo or taxi. Nope, no dogs allowed. Thanks for calling. <laughs> <laughs> or you get it that you can have yeah. like kitty cats and chameleons. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Right. And that's it's right. just pet that's friendly it is. in bold type. Right. Yeah. Well, and in some of these buildings these days, how crazy co-ops are getting in this town, the pet needs to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. It has to go through a screening process. We talked yep. about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. Screening process. DNA samples in some <laughs> cases because they don't trust that you say it's this breed versus that breed. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is an interview. So if, the, if the pet passes all of these things, oh these steps, God. they're in. Also, if it's wow. a condo building and it is a pet-friendly condo building, does not mean it's pet-friendly for the renters. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's true. Sometimes. Very yeah. correct. Yeah. That's a biggie, actually, because a lot of renters go into condos thinking, oh, this is a shoe in and then you check with the building management, and it's like, Pets not allowed for renters, mm-hmm. and it's a big to-do. Yep. Um, and sometimes they don't find out till the very last minute if their, their broker's not on the ball, and that can be a real big Or the listing issue. agent doesn't know. Or yeah. the listing agent doesn't know, yeah. correct. Well, I, I tend to check on my own before I take them to a condo rental if I know they have pets because sometimes the, the listing agent doesn't know, mm-hmm. and we're all in trouble. So yeah. Or get a copy of the bylaws before you put an offer in. 
Correct. Yeah. So I have a, a funny quick story, and that is a friend of mine has a, an Australian Shepherd. I don't know if you guys know that breed mix. Mm-hmm. And it's a mix with a Beagle. And those two dogs are out of their minds in combination. <laughs> so they went through all these processes getting their place, and then it was finally the pet meeting time. Mm-hmm. And they gave their puppy half a puppy lewd. Everybody know what that no is? Way. Yeah. Half a puppy lewd. Like what you would give oh, your lewd. dog. Oh. Lewd, as oh. in quailude. I mean, I'm being funny. We're like getting old there. school drug days. <laughs> but, and the, Wolf they of Wall passed Street. with flying colors. But the dog moved in and 24-7. And they had, it, it was a nightmare the whole time. These well, are your friends? <laughs> sort of friends. Acquaintance. <laughs> quailudes for the dogs. I know, right? Come on. Hey. Sometimes needed. Guess you got a, <laughs> guess you got <laughs> He's got a script in his cabinet, huh? Getting there. Okay, you are free to do what you want to do in your own apartment. Everybody thinks, oh, I own real estate. Oh, I bought an apartment, co-op especially. And I can do whatever I want in my apartment. Well, guess what? No. <laughs> so we have both a, from a rental point of view and from a sale point of view. Right. Recently, uh, the current deal I'm working on, it is a complete wreck. This condo, pre-war condo, which is like a double whammy. That's like a win on both sides. Amazing. But an estate, complete wreck. But my buyer has questions of not only what wall is structural, but can he penetrate the outside wall to for central air conditioning? And there are things that we need from the alteration agreement and from managing agents to find out more than just load-bearing walls, but really what will the building allow in the renovations? And that's a really important question. You just don't close and then hope you can do anything you want. Yeah. You typically cannot. But not only that, the problem with that in New York City is definitely that when you ask the managing agent, they say, well, we can't really answer that for you right now. Right. So while you're trying to go through this purchase process, trying to figure out what you could or could not do with your home in order for it to work for you, there's definitely a roadblock on that. You know the what the answer end. is? What Circle is? back. The super, our best friend. Super. super will tell you exactly what's been done before and yeah. what is allowed. That's right. true. Circumvent the managing yep. agent, go straight to the super. Yeah. This yeah. is true. This is true. This is true. Uh, we probably have time for one last one. New construction means move in ready all the time. I mean, I know, for example, oh. I, have a, I have a friend who's got a development in Williamsburg and they've signed leases on the, on the building, <coughs> but there's no TCO. So new construction, is it move-in ready? Because they're, you know, it's October 6th right now and can't move some in. leases started on the 1st. So you know, it really depends on when sign-offs are going to come. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. There is That's so much. And stuff. you know, not only that, but so many times when there's a punch list, so for the listing audience, mm-hmm. what a punch list is is that when you buy in a new development, uh, you do a walkthrough and you make a list of all the things that weren't perfectly completed. So for example, if the marble is cracked on your vanity... And that was not caught until you were doing your walkthrough and now you put it on the punch list that that needs to be replaced and your closing is in three days, then the the developer will just give you a, you know, in writing that that'll get replaced, you know, in six weeks or six to eight weeks. It might take six to 10 weeks because when, once the marble gets in, then they get somebody in to do it, et cetera. So it can't, does not always mean perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a new development on 49th Street, Midtown West. We were supposed to close in February. Then we were supposed to close in August. And then we got a September closing date. And then we got an October oh, 3rd no. closing date. Oh, then date. there's that, yes. And <laughs> then we just got pushed off again till I think, October 16th. And what is the reason for that? As Niall said before, T. 
C O. Yeah. It's maddening. And fortunately for my clients, this is a second home or weekend place, whatever, pied a terre. If it were someone's primary residence or need to be primary residence and they sold their other place, et cetera, et cetera. No, I mean, living in a hotel. Uh, my experience is that it's new development, there has never been a new development in my experience in 10 years of being in this business that has been delivered when it was promised Absolutely. to be delivered. It is, I, I don't recall one that's been delivered le- less than four months yeah. away from the date that was I always given. add a season, actually. I, I had a season, yeah. Yep. And yeah. even sometimes that, a year. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes a year. Like, even that is not a guarantee. They say 2015. I'm like, 2016. All right, yeah, guys. Absolutely. We unfortunately are out of time. That is Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time Live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, <laughs> voiceamerica.com, for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Morning, New York. Somebody's ready to go today. Uh, I'm about to take a nap. (laughs) Yes! She's like, I caught the earlier train today. That meant, like, I woke up at 6.30. Oh, my God. That's when you wake up on Tuesday, right? I was up at 5. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.